manipulation. Nothing personal. Word of the day, Thursday, February 25th. The day of my sister Nancy's birthday. Happy birthday, Nancy. Manipulation is the nothing personal word of the day. Manipulation is making me wait. I wish more people knew who Carly Simon was. Carly Simon, you're so vain. All right, let's talk about manipulation. Manipulation is a word that I really like using. Manipulation means getting people to do something that you want them to do without them realizing that they're doing it. Manipulation is causing something to take place that other than for your action would not take place. Manipulation is pejorative. Not to me, though. Why, why, why is it that you think when you are manipulating someone that it has such a negative connotation? Maybe there are people who want to be manipulated. Maybe there are people who don't know which direction they're going and want to be utzed in a certain direction. Sometimes you manipulate a piece of furniture into a space. Some people could say you jigger it, but I say I'm manipulating. I'm trying to manipulate my desk. Some people say rearrange, manipulate. But I'm talking about something else, a topic I love to talk about. And you think you know what I'm going to say, but you don't today. Service time manipulation. Why is it coming up again? It's coming up again because it is a brand new day in Major League Baseball. Players are talking like they never did before. Publicly. Privately, players talk about service time manipulation in the clubhouse. They talk about it with their agents. The agents talk about it with the league. The agents talk about it with owners and presidents. There is a dance that goes on because agents want their players in the big leagues. They want their players to start in the big leagues. They want their players, if they get hurt, to be on the big league injured list so they get big league service time. You know, when you're asked by anyone and you talk about baseball, how to sound smart, the greatest currency in baseball is not money. It is service time. Every conversation is about service time, every grievance. I want more time. I deserve more time. Every player is trying to get six years to free agency, 10 years to fully vested in the pension. I, I got a side story of, of something that, that I just thought of about pension. Pension is actually a very big deal in baseball to get 10 years of service. And if you're on field as a player, there is a player pension. There's a uniform pension plan. Coaches participate in a pension plan, but you have to assign coaches to be benefited because not every coach on the big league team is quote unquote a benefited coach. You only get a certain number of slots. And right now there's like 10 assistant coaches, or I guess they're called assistant coaches, 10 coaches in uniform, but only five of them can be benefited. There's pension and there's licensing. Those are the benefits. Licensing is a uniformed coach gets a percentage of the licensing that all players get in the players union gets. Pension is obviously when you retire, you get paid every year for the rest of your life. And so players would keep track of that. We had a GM in Ancoca. You're going to have to remind me of the year that this happened. And you don't even know what I'm going to talk about because we didn't talk about this pre-show, which is why you love nothing personal so much because shit just comes to my head out of nowhere. So we had a general manager. My first general manager in the game was a guy named Jim Beatty, And Jim Beatty 
uh, did not move with us to Florida from Montreal. He, he did not want to move. He did not feel that he was ready to move out of Montreal. He did not feel he was ready to keep working with me. Whatever the reason was, he stayed. We promoted Larry Beinfest from assistant GM, and he was the GM when we got to Montreal, you know, when we got to Florida. Uh, Larry Beinfest was brought in by Jim Beatty after we got to Montreal. He had been working for the Mariners. So he becomes an AGM, moves to Montreal. Then the team moves to Florida. He comes to Florida as the general manager. So Jim Beatty goes on. He becomes the co-GM of the Orioles. He stays in the game. He becomes a pro scout, whatever he does. We find out, and we find out because Jim and I stayed in touch because I liked Jim very much, that he was close to getting pension, fully pensioned, which means a full 10 years. Do you know that we named Jim Beatty as a pitching coach? And Coca, for the life of me, I don't remember what year because we went through so many coaches who can keep track. Jim Beatty was our pitching coach in some year after 2002, because it was with the Marlins. 2007, you found it, Coca. Good morning. It's obviously not Friday. You are on the program. So Jim Beatty became a pitching coach for a very short period of time, but he got enough service days as pitching coach that he was able to become fully vested. That wasn't the only time we did it. Lest you think that we are all about management and never about the player. Do you remember a guy named Mike Mordecai? All of you people in Chicago know Mike Mordecai hit the bases clearing double in the eight run eighth in the 2003 game six league championship series. After the Cubs, Alex Gonzalez made that unbelievable error on a Miguel Cabrera surefire double play ball. It's not the Bartman game. It's the Gonzalez game. And Mike Mordecai comes to the plate. He had let off that inning to pinch hit and made out. And then he got up again because we batted around and he cleared the bases. That's when Todd Hollinsworth, the current broadcaster for the Marlins, gave his pump fist when he scored. We cleared the bases and we went on to win the game and won the next day and went to the World Series, blah, blah, blah. So Mike Mordecai was a expo with us. We then traded for him to make him a Marlin. Then he was done with the Marlins and we signed him back. And again, I don't remember what year, but it was well after 03 because Mike Mordecai was a few days short of getting fully vested in his pension. That guy who I'll always love never said thank you. We called him in and said to him, this is why you're coming in. We're happy to have you on the team, but let's game the system. Let's get you fully vested. What year was it? It was 05. All right. Thank you, Coca. So Mordecai was the first person we did it with. Beatty was the second. So Mike Mordecai came to the Marlins in 05, my most disappointing year, that in 2012. I really thought that we had a chance to win our second out of, th out of three years World Series when we had signed Delgado. We signed Al Leiter, gave Al Leiter $8 bucks so he could help his son Jack become a major league pitcher. Disaster. Terrible season. Didn't work out. But for Mike Mordecai, it did. It did. So we manipulate things as management every day. We manipulate pension, we manipulate benefits, we manipulate licensing money, we manipulate players and their service time, we manipulate their incentives. That is part of the business of baseball. But today, baseball's got a problem. And the problem they have is that the way I used to operate, I would be honest with players but not honest publicly. I would never do what Kevin Mather did, not that it would 
get me to resign because that's not why he had to resign. Or maybe this day and age it is, but what he said about foreign-born players was far worse. But for me, I always wanted to let the players know where I stood because I wanted them to understand. For me, it is business, not the end of the show. And if we can find a way under the rules, always under the rules, to get an extra year of service or to get an extra year of pre-arbitration, we're going to do that because that means we think you're good. If we think that we're not sure if you're going to hit, and I don't mean hit as in pitch, I mean hit as a performing major league player, we're not paying as close attention. But if you are a top prospect, we are laser focused on it. So Kevin Mather comes out and says that their number one prospect, Jared Kelenic, the guy they got from the Mets for Cano and Edwin Diaz. What a trade for Seattle. That they're going to hold him down until the middle of April, call him up. And this way, he will be a Super 2 arbitration eligible player because they're calling him up before mid-June. But he will be under their control for an extra year before he becomes a free agent. So he'll have four years of arbitration. Two years pre, four years of arbitration for a full six years. Jared Kelenic went public meeting the media where he claims <clears throat> not just not just that his service time is being manipulated, but it is his understanding that that is the only reason why he's being held back. And that if he had signed the long-term deal, which guaranteed his arbitration years, guaranteed some free agent years, he would have been in the big leagues and he was told that. The reason that's a problem is that back in my day, back in my day makes me seem old. It's not that long ago. You could talk to players privately off the record. But what was on the record is that you were keeping players in the minor leagues because you wanted them to work on X or Y. You made it up. We want him to work on his defense. We want him to get his, a few at-bats, more at-bats, some at-bats. We want him to learn how to play a new position. We use that a few times. We want him to hit to the left side, the right side. We want to teach him how to bunt. Whatever the case is, there is a quote-unquote development reason. Jerry Depoto, the GM of the Seattle Mariners, said, nobody since A-Rod has been called to the major leagues as fast as Kellenic wants to be called. If we were to bring him up right now, he has fewer than, let's say, 800 professional appearances. That's what we call it, by the way, to try to curry favor in case of a grievance. 800 professional appearances because we used to call them 800 minor league at-bats. Now we call them 800 professional at-bats. There used to be a system in place where you needed a player to get 1,000 professional minor league at-bats before they'd be ready to be called up. We sort of threw that to the wind because we needed players and we were very impatient with our prospects. Sometimes it helped us, sometimes it hurt us. Sometimes getting players to the big leagues faster is a smart move and it works, but the majority of time it doesn't. You end up screwing with their heads because they're simply not ready. What minor league at-bats are used for is to teach players how to deal with failure to teach players how to deal with the everyday grind and what to do when you're 0 for 20, how to react, how to keep working. 
We don't want players learning how to fail at the big league level. We want them learning how to fail at the minor league level. So by the time they get to the big league level and they do have that 0 for 20 slump, which every player will have no matter what at a point in their career, Coca, I will bet you there is no player from Tony Gwynn to Ty Cobb to Ichiro who didn't have an 0 for 20. And how you handle that mentally matters. And we're forgetting that these are kids. I was reminded today of time and the passage of time when I read about Giancarlo Stanton reacting to not just Kellenic and service time manipulation, but also to what Kevin Mather said. Giancarlo Stanton is starting his 11th year in the big leagues. It's almost hard for me to comprehend that. His 11th year. He's now in the Yankees waiting for his first title and hopeful, happy that he's not the highest paid player notionally anymore, but he's now a veteran. He is now someone who's looked at to give quotes about subjects, not just for his team, but for other teams. He talks about the Herman situation with the Yankees, about what it means to have him back in the clubhouse and what his job has to be going forward. But then he was asked about service time manipulation. He said, listen, that's a very well-known fact, but I'm glad it's out in the open. I'm glad that people and I'm glad that fans and broadcasters and all the other people who are involved in Major League Baseball as either literally as fans or participants, active or not, I'm glad they now see that it's open. Giancarlo and I spent hours talking about this situation, literally hours upon hours talking about how decisions are made in the front office, why decisions are made in the front office, why sometimes mistakes are made by the front office, but sometimes you forget because they are professional athletes. They're so good at what they do. You forget how young they are when they start. Giancarlo Stanton was drafted out of high school, made it to the Marlins. How old was he, Coca? Was he 23? I bet he was even younger when he made his debut. Maybe he was 23. I don't even know. In the real world, 23 years old, what do you know? That is the perfect age where you think you know everything. And 10 years later, you realize, oh, my God, I didn't know anything. And watching the maturation process of players is fascinating to me because they go from questioning everything and assuming that everything you're doing is against the player because that's what their union teaches them to as they get older to realizing, A, they may have had a pretty good, he was 20 when he was called up in 2010, Coca. That's unbelievable to me. That really is unbelievable. 20 years old. Wow. So when we opened the new ballpark, he was 22 years old, asking him to carry a team. When Jose died in 2016 and he was the leader of the team, he was 26 years old. God, we put too much on you, Giancarlo. I'm sorry. I forget all the time about the ages of these players. And then back in the real world, you see someone who's 23 or 20 or 25 and you treat them differently because you realize that they need more help. They need more guidance. They're just maturing. They're just beginning to figure things out. Well, manipulation is my word of the day, and this is going to be a story with legs. That's an expression you use in the media when a story doesn't go away after a day. This is going to permeate the collective bargaining agreement talks. This is going to permeate how decision-making processes of teams 
What we need to watch out for, and it's not going to be a wait to see today. What we need to watch out for is what the Mariners are going to do with Jared Kelenic now. Are they going to change their plan? I It says here they're not because this story will die. There'll be another terrible story that happens, whether it's a tragedy or not. By the way, I forgot to wish. Uh, let me get back to that. No, I'm not going to eat. It's Coca. You've got so in my head. After the show yesterday, Coca yelled at me. He's like, David, you're talking about a topic. And then all of a sudden you go on to another topic. You don't do a segue. People get confused. They want to know what the hell you're talking about. God damn it, Coca. Not only do I not know what I was going to say when I wanted to interrupt myself on a tangential story, but I don't even know what we were talking about before. I thought about something that I wanted to say. Oh, yes. I forgot to wish Penelope Fernandez a happy birthday yesterday. She turned four. Jose Fernandez's and Maria Arise's daughter. Happy birthday, Penelope. I'm sorry I missed that. All right, Coca, manipulation word of the day. We got an interesting question uh, we need to talk about before we get to this. Tonight at 8 p.m., today's Thursday, February 25th, every Thursday at 8 p.m., Coke and I are going to be on Clubhouse. There's a room called NPDS. We're going to be answering questions. We're going to involve you. If you can get into the room, please find a way to get invited. We'll invite you. I don't know how to invite you, but you have to be invited, I guess. Eventually, you won't. We are going to lead the Viacom CBS charge into Clubhouse. NPDS is going to be the leader. Coke is going to be the leader because I don't know what I'm going to do except talk. Coke is going to figure out how to moderate, how to get people on stage to talk. It's an audio chat room, basically, where we get to interact. So find us every Thursday, 8 p.m. We may even do it more often. It's sort of like a live mailbag episode with a presentation of a topic. Today, I'm going to talk about how to make a budget. Not going to be baseball related, but if you have baseball questions, maybe we'll answer them. You don't have to even tell us what your question is going to be, but you just have to behave. You can't really get into the room and say, hey, Samson, up yours. Up your nose with the rubber hose. That's from Welcome Back, Cotter. Maybe not. I think it is, though. All right, Coca, we're still going to do mailbag episodes at the end of this month because you go on Apple, you rate and review. So at the end of February, I think we'll drop it Sunday, February 29th. And uh, of course, Sunday is not February 29th because it's not a leap year. Leap years only happen during election years. 2020 was an election year. So this is an off leap year. So that means it is the 28th, which is a Sunday. And then Monday is March 1st. So Saturday, the 27th, we'll drop the mailbag episode. We still do a segment within Nothing Personal that is based on being fully baked. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. I want to talk to Samson. I listen to Samson all day long. All night long. So you want to talk to Samson from the movie Half Baked. There's a character named Samson. If you're new to the show, if you're not new, you've been baked, you've seen the socks. No, not wearing the socks today. It's not that day. I'm wearing blue socks today that say, I am confident. I got them from Conine, Jeff Conine, when we did the 777, when we ran around the world. Conine got all the members of Team Hold the Plane socks, and they all had motivational statements because you're running seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Mine say, I am confident. Well, when I got the socks, I was quite less than confident that I could do seven and seven and seven. But I got the tattoo to prove it. Did it. So you want to talk to Samson? Here's the question. Would you offer Cy Young award-winning pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, Shane Bieber, a long-term contract because he came out publicly saying that he's open to a long-term deal? Well, thank you for asking that question. 
I want to talk about offering pitchers long-term deals, when to do it, why to do it, and how to do it. Shane Bieber is coming off a Cy Young award-winning year. Cy Young award-winning season. He is not yet eligible for arbitration. This is the dream for teams. Getting maximum performance from a pitcher at the minimum. It's literally lightning in a bottle. I bet Tim Lincecum may have won a Cy Young before he was arbitration eligible. I'm trying to think of other pitchers who did. It's not very common. So Shane Bieber is at the height of his ability, the height of his recognition coming off that Cy Young award-winning year. He still has one season this year at close to the minimum. Then he's eligible for arbitration for three years, and then he becomes a free agent. So is this the time to approach Shane Bieber? Here's a little hint. When a player comes out and says, I'm open to a long-term deal with this team. I'd like to stay with this team. I've enjoyed it so much having been traded here seven days ago. I got traded during the offseason. I haven't played a game yet, but I love it here. I'm open to a long-term deal. Who of you in your jobs, whatever you do, is not open to a long-term deal? Boy, I really don't like my boss. I really don't like my commute. I don't really think that I'm growing enough in this job. Wait a minute. You'll offer me? three years of guaranteed money with natural raises that would make me one of the highest paid people in your company? Oh my God, I've got the best commute ever. Oh my God, I love you, man. I love you, the boss. God, I love what I do. It is very fulfilling. Most people will make the decision to take the guaranteed money when given an opportunity and will swallow hard if there are things about their job they don't like. For players, the calculus is always the following. Are they going to bet on themselves or are they going to take the guaranteed comfort of the money? We know like Ronald Acuna took the guaranteed comfort of the $100 million. He didn't want to bet on himself. We know as an example, Jose Fernandez was offered a long-term deal, didn't take it, wanted to bet on himself. Some players, when they bet on themselves, by definition, will do better, but the majority will not. They know it and we know it. Do you know when the worst time is to buy a plane ticket? Closest to the flight, right? Prices go up. Worst time to buy a ticket to a game is right when demand is at its highest. If you're willing to wait to the very end, sometimes prices go down, your price of entry goes down. Dealing with players, and this is very sensitive right now because of what Kevin Mather said. So I wanna be very careful in how I say it. Giancarlo Stanton, wants to be more than just a name on a piece of paper or a line item, but he recognizes business is business. But the fact is that every single boss you've ever had or ever will have does look at you as a line item. As much as our team was family and we were, as much as we like to pay our executives and sometimes overpay them, which we did, we always had to keep in mind that there was an individual named Jeffrey funding the losses for the team. And the only way to try to lessen your losses was to try to win games. And the only way to win games is to have as many players as possible making fewer dollars than they should. 
and to have people in sales making more money than they should because you're willing to pay them a higher commission than any other team because you want sales, you want tickets sold, you want corporate sponsorships sold, you want a naming rights deal, some of which we never got. So Shane Bieber right now is at his height in value. And the reason why he's open to a long-term deal is because when you are a pitcher, you are one pitch away from snapping your ulnar collateral ligament. You're one pitch away from having a shoulder impingement at torn labrum. You're one pitch away from changing the trajectory of your career earnings. For position players, it's much more rare to have career-ending injuries. It's much more rare to have injuries that linger to the point that your performance cannot be what people projected, including you. But for pitchers, it's far more common. For all players, going from minor league to major league, going from rookie of the year to a Hall of Famer, going from Cy Young Award winner to an all-star slash Hall of Fame pitcher, it's super difficult. I mentioned Tim Lincecum early in the show. Do you know Tim Lincecum? His career was cut short, funky delivery, injuries. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. When you talk about trajectory of a player, this is a guy who was the best of the best for a period of time when he was young, signed some long-term deals, didn't pan out for the Giants. Now, they won three World Series, so it did pan out, but I'm talking about the specific deals. The reason why Shane Bieber is not going to get a long-term contract offered by the Cleveland Indians right now is the Indians have a $38 million payroll. They've got tremendous financial flexibility. They just traded Lindor. They've got to figure out who they want to build around. And the way to build around players is to get them locked in, locked up to long-term deals that are team-friendly long-term deals. Because when you have a mid-market, mid-to-small payroll, you've got to have your best players locked up at a discount. Players today are less apt to take discounts. It's not never, but they're less apt to do it. Shane Bieber, unless he's willing to take a discount, is not going to be able to come to terms on a long-term deal with the Cleveland Indians, period. So your question is, would I offer him a long-term deal? The answer is yes. We offered long-term deals to many of our players to lock up their arbitration years so you have cost certainty, so you're not subject to the whims of the possession area, 69, 68, 67. To lock up pre-arbitration and arbitration years is very helpful to a team because you get cost certainty. Cost certainty helps you make your budget. You're not subject to the possession error that takes place in arbitration. You're not subject to the whims of the market. You've got your players who you've developed, who you know, who you believe are going to be good. You lock them up. But if you're not going to get a discount, you do not do it. The Padres went the other way. They did not get a discount and they did it. And I think it's going to cost them. The Indians are not the Padres. Chris Antonetti and Michael Chernoff are not AJ Preller. The problem Shane Bieber has is his front office is too smart to lock him up on a long-term deal that would reflect his Cy Young Award winning year. Shane, you're going to have to back up your Cy Young Award winning year. And I think you will because I think you're damn good. 
But would I offer him a deal at a discount? Yes. Would he sign it? No. We're going to get to some NBA news. We have quite a bit of NBA news, actually, that's interesting. Most of it has to do with nothing personal pick of the day, plus something that Rick Carlisle did yesterday, the coach of the Dallas Mavericks. But first, we're going to get to review a movie that you told me to watch. Some One of you listening told me to watch The China Hustle. We will be right back in a jiffy. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. I have no idea what a jiffy is. Is that one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes? I just think it's a kind of peanut butter. Welcome back. Thanks for making it through. Thank you for your retention. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, telling your friends about Nothing Personal. I'm appreciative. I really am. So I was asked to watch a movie called The China Hustle. It's a documentary. And it freaked me out. Here's what it's about. Do you remember the movie The Big Short, which reflected and talked about and tried to teach us about what happened in 2008 with the financial crisis? There was something called mortgage-backed securities, which basically means that investment banks were stealing from us. They were putting all of these crappy mortgages that were underwater in one financial instrument together, and they were selling that financial instrument to you, the investor, you were buying it, but the underlying value of what you were buying was literally worth the price of a Kleenex, and everyone lost their money. Banks went out of business. Regulations started. Movies were made. Fortunes were lost. Crimes were committed. Yada, yada, yada. That was the financial crisis of 2008. The China Hustle is a documentary about the financial crisis that is coming today because of China. Now, this is not an anti-China rant. Don't worry, LeBron, I'm not going to do it. This is about how people on Wall Street will find any way possible to make money. And the way they make money is from investors like me and you who are called NSI. When I was at Morgan Stanley, I would refer to NSIs. 
with glee because I knew that if I got them as clients, I could move them and manipulate them into high commission products, non-sophisticated investors. You have to sign forms if you're gonna trade in options that say you're a sophisticated investor, but a non-sophisticated investor, eh, even sophisticated investors are not that sophisticated. So what is the China hustle? Here's what it is. <clears throat> do you know, do you know, I hope I got to the cough button fast enough. I'm not sure that I did. It's Thursday, my voice is a little crackly. Do you know that if you're a Chinese owned company, you do not trade on the US exchanges? Do you know that all the money that's being made in China and all the population and all of the unbelievable sort of business that can be done in China, the companies in China, when they go public, go public on Chinese exchanges, not on US exchanges. Well, the US investment bank said, wait a minute, I don't like that. I need to find a way to get a ROI, return on investment for my investors. I need to make my investors money so I can make money and I can get more investors. I've got funds I wanna build. I've got stocks I wanna trade. I wanna make money and the way I make money is by making you money or at least trying to make you money. I wanna get into China, what do I do? So all of a sudden, some investment banks came up with an idea and here's the hustle. They did a reverse leverage buyout, a reverse merger. Basically, they took a Chinese company and they merged that Chinese company into a shell US company that had been approved to be a publicly traded stock already, had gone through all of the regulations, but there was nothing to see because there were no assets, there was no value. Remember my pizza oven story? There was no pizza in the oven, there was no cash in the oven, there was no oven, period. So they bring in a Chinese company that apparently has cash in ovens, And all of a sudden, the US company owns the Chinese pizza oven company. They've got assets in the Chinese pizza oven company. That means they have assets in their US backed company. That means they can then start trading on US exchanges again and actually have value, whether it's a penny a share, 10 cents a share, a dollar a share. And it turns out that many of these Chinese companies actually didn't have a pizza oven either. They didn't have cash. They were small, little nothing companies that were propped up by these US investment banks to make it look like they were huge companies. And people end up losing their money. Except certain people who shorted these Chinese backed reverse leverage buyout merged companies because people ended up realizing the fraud that was being perpetuated on the American public that they were buying these stocks thinking they were investing in quote unquote China and that's the place to be to invest. And it was all a hustle. I love the movie American Hustle. That was fictional based on a true story though. This is a documentary and I don't remember where I watched it, Coca. I did not write down where I watched it. Darn it, dang it. In any case, find the China Hustle. It was suggested to me by one of you. I love that you give me movies to watch. I keep a list on the phone of every movie I've watched and I keep a list of movies that you suggest to me. So when I actually respond to you on DM on Twitter, 
and I say, it's on Amazon, thank you, Coca. And I say, uh, I'll put it on the list. I don't know if you can see this, but I literally, in my notes, in my notes section, I literally have a list right there of movies that you tell me to watch and I get to them whenever I can. Someone told me I have to watch Iceberg Slim, Portrait of a Pimp on Amazon. I'll try to get to that. In any case, The China Hustle. I think you should watch it. Nothing personal pick of the day. Were you worried when you had the Bulls minus four and a half and the Bulls were up big and then all of a sudden they weren't and then all of a sudden Ricky Rubio was on the line and oh my God, please make the free throws, Ricky. We got to get this game into overtime because if it doesn't get into overtime, then the Wolves are going to cover and Samson said on nothing personal pick of the day that the Bulls were going to cover the four and a half point spread and he's been hot. Hot as ice. That's not the expression, is it, Coca? I don't know why that just came out of my mouth. Is it cold as ice and hot as dry ice? I don't know. Whatever. I'm hot. We're 25 and 18 because the Bulls did go into overtime and then covered the spread. They beat the Wolves by seven. You were only given four and a half. That's called a winner. Overtime was a blessing. 25 and 18. My cold start on the nothing personal pick of the day is like a distant memory. You've hung in there. Well, I'm going against my team tonight. The Bucks are giving too many to the Pelicans. The Pelicans are getting nine. Stan Van Gundy's doing fine with the Pelicans. I think our wait to seize on the Pelicans making the playoffs and how their season is going to go and how Zion's going to go. I think those are going to come true. But pick of the day. Nothing personal pick of the day. The spread is too large, and that's what we look for. We're looking for arbitrage. We're looking for some sort of problem in the market, in the bookie market. And the problem we found today is the Pelicans should be getting fewer than nine points from the Bucs, so take the points. I want to stay with the NBA and talk about a topic that is an update of yesterday. Yesterday we talked, although, by the way, I can't even say that it was yesterday. I don't know what day it was. The Minnesota Timberwolves made a coaching change. They had Flip Saunders' son, Ryan Saunders, as their coach. They fired him on a Tuesday, and they had a new coach named Chris Finch hired by Wednesday. I'm making up the days. It may have been Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, Monday. That's not the point of the story for crying out loud. And Coke is correcting me in my ear. I'm not correcting this. This is not a correction. All right, it is a correction. Saunders was fired and Finch was hired the same night. That doesn't change the segment, Coca. Thank you for the value-added correction. So we said to you that there may be an issue because you can't hire a coach the same day you fire a coach unless you were negotiating with that coach while your previous current coach was coaching. And they got permission from the Houston Rockets while Saunders was still coaching. The Raptors, thank you, not the Rockets. <laughs> Coca, I'm the best. I'm better than the rest. Actually, it's you who's better than the rest. I just have, sometimes I've got brain farts. It just happens. I knew it was the Raptors. So here's what happened. And here's why Rick Carlisle is entering this conversation. So Finch is hired. Saunders is fired. 
Finch is given permission by the Raptors to interview, gets the job, signs a long-term deal, leaves the Raptors, joins the Wolves. Meanwhile, there's a coach on the T-Wolves, a very well-respected assistant coach, a black assistant coach named David Vanterpool, who the players wanted to see interviewed. They wanted him as having been given an opportunity to become a head coach. They weren't happy Saunders got fired. They didn't do a coup. They were not trying to make Saunders get fired. They weren't trying to play like crap, be a crappy team, so Saunders would get fired so they could get an assistant coach. By the way, the T-Wolves have, I think, three black assistant coaches. They didn't subvert, show subversive behavior to Saunders. But once Saunders was fired, their view was, give our guy a chance. But now Rick Carlisle is involved. Rick Rick Carlisle leads a group called the National Basketball Coaches Association. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the National Basketball Coaches Association. I actually had never thought of them before at all. They came out with a long statement about the T-Wolves hiring. And it was fascinating. Because they had to be very careful. The thing about a firing is that it's always followed by a hiring. Same in baseball, right? One manager gets fired, it's very sad, but that means someone else gets a chance to lead one of 30 teams. You have to be very careful when you're a coach's association because you've got a new member of your association. You've got a new assistant coach who now is a head coach, who worked his way up to be a head coach. You have to be careful because the coach who was fired was a member of your association. And you know as a coach that you have to be protective of all coaches because each of you is going to be hired and fired at least once in your career if you're lucky. Trying to think of a head coach who's never been fired. Maybe Greg Popovich. Has he ever been fired? Before he took over San Antonio, I wonder whether he was fired as an assistant coach before. Generally, head coaches, managers, et cetera, will be fired during their career. So Rick Carlisle unveiled a very carefully crafted statement, starting with it's always bittersweet when one coach is fired and another is hired. Bittersweet is obviously an oxymoron. Bittersweet is meant to say it sucks for one guy, but it's great for another. But this is not about individual coaches, he said, we would be remiss not to acknowledge a deeper concern and level of disappointment with the Minnesota head coach hiring process. We understand and respect each organization's right to hire and fire whomever and whenever it chooses, but it is our responsibility to point out when an organization fails to conduct a thorough and transparent search of candidates. Here we go. Here's the point from a wide range of diverse backgrounds. If the Timberwolves, and this is my issue with this statement, if the Timberwolves had hired a minority assistant coach from another team instead of their own assistant coach, Vanterpool, I will bet you dollars to donuts they don't make this statement. But because Finch is white, they are. What they're referring to 
is the Selig rule in baseball, the Rooney rule in football, and the I don't know what it's called in basketball. Where race and basketball matters so much because the overwhelming, maybe 70% of the players are black. Where having minority and women, people of color, coaches, the NBA has been really good about that. But we've got to be super careful. The coaches association has to represent every coach. I agree fully with Rick Carlisle saying on behalf of the coaches association that he wants to avoid the appearance of a lack of process. The commissioner feels that way of every sport. They want a transparent, inclusive process where diverse candidates are being considered for every position. They need more owners and presidents to be the way I was, which is, I don't care what color you are. I want you to lead our team to more victories. We're going to put the best person in position. Gerson Rosas is the GM of the Timberwolves. He had a relationship with Chris Finch. He has the right to bring in his guy. He has the right to bring in someone he's comfortable with. What he should not say is what he said because he felt he had to respond to this statement. And when you have to respond to a statement, you're going to get it wrong if you don't think about it first. And he made his problem worse. He said there were other candidates, minority candidates we considered at this time. Unfortunately, when you're in the middle of a season, you're really at the mercy of teams in terms of who can become available and who's not available. That was a challenge for us as we went through the process. What? You are not telling us the truth. You did an entire process. So you, while the Timberwolves were losing games with Saunders, you went full of full process, interviewed candidates, tried to ask permission of other candidates, didn't get the permission, but then did get it from the Raptors and went with the guy who you've had the relationship, who you interviewed, but gave the job to Flip Saunders' son prior to hiring Finch. You interviewed Finch and gave the job to Saunders. Don't make me laugh. It's not right what you're saying. And if you did consider minority candidates, then why is the NBA Coaching Association saying what it said? If you did have a thorough process, which by the way, you know very well can't happen in the middle of a season. We always knew when we fired our managers in the middle of the season, there would not be a thorough process. We would deal with that thorough process at the end of the season because by definition, you can't do it. So what we would say is, he's our interim. She's our interim coach. To sign a long-term deal with a coach in the middle of a season means he's not your interim coach. It means you went through an entire process. How? How? And then you say on the other side of it, we couldn't really talk to everyone we would have liked to have talked to because it's the middle of the season. NSS. No SHIT, Sherlock. So Rosas had to finish his statement to try to CYA. And he said, anybody who knows me knows how important diversity is to me. And it's a big part of who I am and what I'm about. Our staff and the diversity we have speaks for itself. Well, that's really not the whole point now, is it? When you are hiring a coach 
And we, when you are trying to figure out what to do that's best for your team, you do what's best for your team, but you do it in a way that makes you open, honest, and beyond scrutiny. And the Wolves did the opposite. That's our show today. And please remember, because everyone else does, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.